is West here with our very special guest James June Schneider documentary filmmaker of Punk the Capital and you're here in Berlin and we also have Jason Oni former singer of uh, Social Unrest uh, shitty listener Renus in the corner as well of course um, and we're here to talk about your film and it's gonna be is it gonna be premiered here James so yeah, uh, thanks for having me on. This is great seeing old friends too. Uh, yeah, last night we showed the film. Oh, last night, amazing. Yeah, Jason it wants to interject already, Oops. punk style. <laughs> it was a bit last minute, but we'll be back uh, again. But I'll, I'll get to that a little later. But last night it was a screening um, that we did at this uh, conference here in town. Uh, Kind of an industry conference type thing about music uh, called the most wanted music but it's music industry it's not like yeah man so in black. no <laughs> man in so, corporate black <laughs> well it's kind of a curious place to show the film but it's uh it was really great uh rece reception and we were going to launch it on to sooner which is like a art movie indie movie platform here in um, in germany it's a great platform that just started out so now it's on there with German subtitles, so it was kind of to launch that was the main thing. Ah, it's online now, and you you can watch it. Yeah, on no? that on that uh, that platform sooner. Yeah, and we also have DVDs and stuff, but I don't. I'm not Excellent. here to just pitch the <laughs> the selling part. And Jason, you you missed the documentary last night. That's what you were about to say, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And Jason is formerly from the from the West Coast. And you're from the East Coast, James. So yes. this kind of East Coast, West Coast uh, dueling here going on. That's right. Well, that's well. I there was actually a lot of camaraderie, even though the scenes were really different. Yeah. In the beginning, and um, there's uh, some stories about the Teen Idols' first trip across the U.S. and them discovering they the only LA. had like two shows, but yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, but they came back with a lot of news from the West Coast, and it really transformed the dc scene so that there's history there between the two and history that continued forever i mean uh dc's still got deep connections on the west coast uh, a lot of people moved from california actually to dc uh some of the key people in the scene like cynthia Connolly, uh mm -hmm. who was part of uh founding discord records and stuff uh photographer uh she moved to dc from la uh for example so there was there was a lot of cross-pollination in the early years. Yeah. I also remember at one point in time, this must have been around 81 or 82, for some reason Ian Mackay was hanging out in Palo Alto, California. And I know that he's got the brother Alec, but does he have a big sister or another bigger brother? Another older sibling, I think, was studying at Stanford. Who are these people, uh, Jason? Uh, Ian Mackay is the singer for Minor Threat, who I'm sure we're going to talk about here. Mm -hmm. We were playing it earlier on the, right. the intro piece. And Eugene Robinson from Oxbow, who you may or may not know, at that point in time had a band called Whipping Boy. And Eugene was originally from Staten Island, I believe. Mm -hmm. 
and had known the Mackay brothers for some reason going back and for Eugene and Ian were hanging out University Avenue uh, and that was while he was in Minor Threat uh, yeah I'm just telling you that because he was spending time on the West Coast yeah, as well too yeah. No, yeah. I think uh, maybe that was around I know around um, this is jumping way ahead but around 84 maybe I think um, I think the Mackays did a trip around the US um so it'd be better for them to be talking about right. what that was all about. <laughs> but I do know that L.A. was one of the stops. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this was kind of an in-between time in D.C. 83, 84, hardcore had kind of, in D.C., it sort of run its course. It waned. For, for it was the, waning, yeah. Yeah, for the time being. So mm -hmm. it was kind of an in-between time. And I, and they did an interview with uh, with Hudley Flipside mm -hmm. in L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really great. Um, and Al flip side mm -hmm. on there too and um you know talking about straight edge and all kinds of other stuff yeah. and it was it's a great recording yeah but that's the refreshing thing about this new punk documentary because there's been so many documentaries out there they? but it, this one is purely focused on dc punk and the history mm -hmm. of what happened there um because I, I was watching it earlier and uh and it's i mean the the whole thing seems to be that it was uh, not the thing you couldn't it was very hard to set up during those times so can you say a little bit about that sure it was jimmy carter if i'm right saying and <laughs> that's right reagan was a, he came along pretty quickly there uh, he was governor of california time or is that right or? yeah now jason could probably tell us more about reagan uh oh yes than, than, than i know <laughs> the president but, uh, but Talk about. It, it's yeah there's a couple things there first of all uh yeah, there were a number of DC punk films uh, made right. before we finished this. Uh, I was going to say. So I, we were sort of the, the first to start <laughs> the, the last. Vanguard. The, the first to start the last to finish. But it's kind of like tortoise in the hare. Mm. Uh, I'm happy with uh, how it came out. Mm. And uh, we we took a lot of time to get it right for us. Um, and also we did a lot of uh, really long interviews with the idea of making a big archive Mm -hmm. So we actually only used about half of the interviews, um, in part because we trimmed down our time frame due to some other films that came mm -hmm. along. But also, um, we have all this extra footage that's that'll be archived at some point, hopefully at the DC Public Library. I can get into that mm -hmm. part of the story later. But uh, do I still have a mask beard on? Hold on, let me take this yeah. off. Yeah. Oh yeah, mask Sorry time. This is. Looked, still post looked, this post COVID there. or is there a, <laughs> such a thing as post COVID? I don't know. I don't know. You'll I'll never keep know. it around my chin forever. I mm. think this mask. So, oh, it's a DC hardcore. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna so get that on. Look, mm -hmm. look out. Get that on film. Um, Triple X. Um, but uh, yeah, so there was a number of other films, um, and in fact, it was a blessing in disguise because. Um, at first, we were we our first cut was seven hours long, mm. so you know it was like oh we're gonna do. <laughs> a friend of mine called it appropriately or not. The he was like it's gonna be the punk rock show. I was like don't don't call it that. No but, no, the Warhol special. But it was he was talking about all these volumes that we were gonna have to do to to do the whole thing. So, you know, at first it was uh, kind of like oh what these other films are coming along. Then it was like oh good you know, that way we don't have to be responsible for telling this whole story because. Uh, Oh, that's a good attitude, rather than going like, we got to get it out there. Well, it, it took a while to get to that realization, a little while, mm. but uh, you know, in the end, it's it's great for everyone because the yeah. the at least the story, the DC Punk story up until about ninety, is somewhat covered in in film. Mm. Um, we cut off around eighty three, 
right around when hardcore sort of uh, is transforming, let's say, hmm. um, into bands like Rites of Spring and other stuff that to the untrained ear might still sound like hardcore, but uh, <laughs> it's it's a completely different uh, perspective. Uh, we can get into that later if you're interested. But um, then there's a film called uh, Positive Force, More Than a Witness, um, that my friend Robin did. It's all about Positive Force, which is this... Um, collective in dc um that maybe jason knows about too because they were in uh utah as well um but they they were really involved in sort of what they called revolution summer like right making that happen uh so there's a film about that and then there's another one that kind of covers the 1980s uh that was also done called mm -hmm. salad days right i was gonna i was gonna say yeah. salad days that's yeah. the one i'm familiar with which starts a little later than ours we're kind of the prehistory um so so yeah, uh, that's that's a little bit of the background of that. Um, my friend Paul shot a ton of Super 8, um, so that's how we wound up working together on oh, this. Great. I would not have done this film if he wasn't one of my best friends. Oh. He had shot mm -hmm. all this footage. So, so that was the inspiration originally, or you really felt it, you really needed to tell the story? or Well, I mean, at the time, it hadn't been done. Oh. It was I, mm. I kind of called the Bermuda Triangle of DC documentaries because <laughs> many, many a ship were lost uh, on the way. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. There right. were two or three efforts prior to our uh, our starting. Mm. Um, and as with go-go music, there's been many, many efforts to do documentaries about DC's go-go scene. Go-go? Mm. Um, go-go music, yep. Early 60s? Early mid-60s? Oh, okay. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's no, that started in the late '60s, around '68. Mm -hmm. Chuck Brown was kind of the godfather mm -hmm. of of go go in DC. Um, mm -hmm. So um, that that's how that started. Uh, but the go go scene and punk, DC punk, are kind of the two, you know, the two subcultures that really have persisted and created an identity in the city. So. Um, so there's parallels there. But anyway, people had tried to make a documentary. We started around 1999 to, like, the idea oh, came wow. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but then I, I moved abroad. I was I was gone for, like, 15 years. Mm. So uh, only when I came back uh, did it really, really uh, kick in at high gear. But we were collecting along the way and stuff. So right. I actually like long maturation periods on films, especially the archival kind. You just keep coming across more stuff. If there's no rush, you know, uh, there's no rush, but, uh, mm. you know, I feel like a lot of people feel like they have to do things really fast from movies and stuff. And, you know, I understand that there's an economic imperative too, but, um, sometimes taking the time does good things. So I like that. I, I want, I want to clear a picture because oh. you, you are there in, in DC and I presume in your, you, in your early or mid twenties or something like that. So I started going to shows in the mid-80s. Uh -huh. So this film actually covers before my time, uh, which was really great to mm -hmm. discover and kind of reconstruct that history. Um, and then and then I was, uh, and then I started working on this, well, 99. So yeah, I was around uh, in my early teens, 12 or something, when I started going to shows in the mid-80s. Okay, so, yeah. are you that young? <laughs> <laughs> it's radio. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, but what I, because in, at, at that age you're you're very uh, vulnerable to the energy you're going to with the waves you're going with the current mm -hmm. and what's going around town and what what's moving around town. So I would like to know from what what were these people that they suddenly exist? Did they uh, uh, 
create new venues? Did they use old venues? Mm. Did, did they change the atmosphere very hard? Was it only a thing that you had to know about? Was it only about music or were there more activities involved from like I'm a punk painter, I'm a punk filmmaker, I'm a punk dancer. And skating. Punk skating. Well, at the in the first years, it wasn't even really defined what it was, mm. um, which was one thing we tried to touch on in the film is that mm. um, these first bands, they were they were punk to, to themselves and to the broader world. They would have come across as punk rock in 76, but by 79, when the Bad Brains came along, right. the, the definition had <laughs> changed. And I, yeah. I think that's really interesting, what happened there. So mm. you get this kind of older generation that was, you know, they were super supportive. They were part of this scene. They were putting on, bringing bands like Shrapnel down from New York and stuff and doing all kinds of things. Um, but by 1980, they started to sound not as punk, you know, the same music, but uh, it had completely changed in D.C. So um, so that's one thing about the sound. But the venues, there was nowhere to play early on in D.C. Um, only when the hardcore scene really kicked off did they start playing like church basements and and right. halls and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's um, the places that had to occupy. Church basements. Well, I mean, there, were, there was the 930 Club, which is still around. You know, it's a huge place now. But um, back in the day, they started doing shows in ooh, yeah, around 80, 1980, I believe, late 1980 or 81. Yeah, something like that. I'd have to get my dates down here. But anyway, they started doing shows um, otherwise, there was a group house called Madam's Organ that we really focus on, uh, which was run by the Yippies, um, and that was that was an insane place. And for me, it could have been the focus of the whole film, uh, probably. I got to that part in the documentary. Yeah. It seems pretty wild. Bad Brain stayed there a while as well, or actually were recording there. Yeah, I'm not. I never got a clear picture on how many members uh, live there. Oh. Uh, I know a few of them mm. did. Um, and they played regularly. But there. yippies, what's this? Uh, yuppies we've got. But, Youth uh, International Party. Oh, oh. I don't know oh. if you know about the yippies, <laughs> but they, there was this weird time when they were kind of linked with the punk scene. Are you, uh, Jason, maybe you know a little bit about Not that. Not really that, all that much, but they were, link. were sort of a 60s American underground together with the Weathermen. Were the Weathermen yippies or? Uh, no, it was kind of two different things. The yippies started around 68, you know, mm -hmm. Jerry Rubin and stuff, kind of to be right. more humorous about the revolution, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and it transformed into uh, a real um, pot advocacy group mm -hmm. and stuff, um, so, uh, which is kind of how it remained for a while. So the yippies of 1979 were not at were all they the yippies of 1968. <laughs> uh, uh, Rubin and stuff, were they also super active with like John Sinclair, like the whole Ann Arbor, Detroit? I don't think they were connected with like the White Panther scene or anything like that, oh. um, but they... Um, but I, I, I couldn't I couldn't say for sure. Leary, maybe some tie-ins there. Mm. Uh, I'm not an expert on the yippies, but um, there was also the Communist Party was kind of mm -hmm. active in Madam's organ as uh, well, uh, like uh, um, trying to uh, co-opt these young kids in the heart of our nation's <laughs> capital. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, and the, the uh, young the socialist. Uh, the young socialists were there too. So mm -hmm. there was kind of all these groups there. So mm. even though some of the younger punks that would come to like be part of the discord crowd, um, I, they don't agree with this idea, but I can't help but think that 
having all these people with political um, political implications or political platforms didn't push them to think about what they stand sure. for. Sure. So, um, so it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, did you want to play uh, the trailer? Oh yes. Oh yes. Yes. Point? Good point. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, this is the the trailer we put together. It's got no talking heads, uh, so you're not missing any uh, famous faces. It's got cool graphics though. Yeah, and uh, got our the family tree theme that um, yeah. came from a Flipside magazine mm -hmm. uh, that they put together with the Discord folks. Flipside was really good about that. Yeah. People said you cannot do this here. You know, this is a radical kind of music and it can't happen in DC. But once it took root, it grew in ways that we could have never imagined. Mr. President, Mr. Carter. If DC seems like a town that punk shouldn't happen in, then maybe that's exactly where it should happen. And it did make us want to scream. And if I ask her why, y'all arrest me. A lot of ideas all came together and broke free from what could have been just a real kind of forward momentum of just rock and roll and no time for that. DC really turned it up a notch and to the people that hated punk rock, hardcore punk rock became even more offensive. Their value system is radically different from that of most Americans. Because it's a government place. Every time there was a place that would form a scene, it would be quickly shut down. We're outnumbered, we're disliked. All we have is our allegiance, this music. And when you have alliances like that, that's just forever. Certain bands who got really huge referenced the DC punk scene as a core reason why they even existed. And you realize that it's a movement. You're listening to Radio One with our special guests today, James Jun Schneider and Jason Oni, talking about the uh, scene in uh, DC, the punk rock scene. Churches and graveyards and... Uh, <laughs> and unoccupied uh, that's, the, that's cramps you're uh, talking about, isn't yeah. it? Crampland? Uh, the cramps. There's a good segue. Yeah, the cramps were a big deal. There was a concert in D.C. that destroyed uh, <laughs> a hall at American University, at Georgetown University, excuse me, uh, 1979. A cramp show. Yeah. Yeah, huh. yeah. I mean, we're coming up to Halloween, so that's also pertinent yeah. as well, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. And uh, no, no, they were... They were hugely influential, uh, you know, even though, you know, the sound was, again, not what it would become. But to see to see a band like that just tear it up mm. inspired many a group in mm. D.C. Mm. So uh, <laughs> Bad Brains were there. Other people were there. Wow. It was like, a, yeah, it was a seminal moment mm. in D.C. punk rock. It's not in the movie, but it'll it's uh, something we'll roll out. We have a short film on the side that will 
somehow get out to the to the people. Great. Were so you everywhere with a Super 8 or was it video or both? That particular one was um, the film we did about that little short film um, is all photos. There was a photographer that just took amazing pictures of the whole event. So, oh. yeah, yeah. And audio. Uh, it was recorded by some people there uh, on little cassette players and stuff. So there's some really cool. But but you went to concerts and so forth. There's a possibility I like uh, making films and I start filming. Or ah, was it like from uh, you, our, our special deputy, and you have to get some footage, please? Ah, um, well, you mean for this project in particular? No, uh, no, 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 no. Just from when you went to a concert and started uh, filming. Yeah. Why? Um, I didn't. I didn't make a lot of. Um, Yeah, okay. Oh, or it's like this whole box of footage came to you, and now you're a filmmaker, and you make a documentary out of it. Yeah. Um, Go on. Yeah. Sorry. See that that works. Oh yeah. Oh, I see. Oh yeah. So we're we're also trying to take photos in the okay. studio here, and then. Uh, and uh, making trouble. Uh, <laughs> so, so Typical f filmmakers yeah, in the studio. No. There you go. But uh, <laughs> no, I didn't actually shoot that many concerts uh, at all myself. Um, the footage in the film was shot by other people. So um, we we just gathered footage that had been collected over the years. Most of the film has Super 8 footage, which mm -hmm. is great. I mean, the, the that's the, the best, te man. The texture, the Amazing. feel, the, light. the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, And there's some 16 millimeter as well, or no? Or maybe because mm -hmm. I've been looking through some of your other films as well. Yeah, and yeah. You, you, I shot you, some you, stuff mm. at 16, but um, mm. no, no, no. This was all Super 8, pretty mm. much. Uh, most of the concerts that we have in there, I think, are Super 8 or early video, which has its own kind of yeah you quality. Know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I really like it. It's like <laughs> static fuzz, NTSC, video yeah, archaeology, well, yeah. that yeah. saturation. Yeah. So. Was I dreaming at some part or sleeping maybe? But but did you already tell you from how these footage <laughs> came into your possession? You Good. mean for this film? Good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because it, it must have been a moment for oh, we've got to do something with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's only 60 hours, but okay. So. No, well, um, there was a lot of people taking pictures in DC. It's pretty crazy um, how well documented the scene was. So there was really the an overabundance of material. Uh, it was not that was not what we had as a problem in putting this thing together. So. Um, Lots of photos, plenty of video. We weren't missing video of much of anybody, really. Um, and even some groups that I thought we weren't going to find, we wound up finding them, like mm. Black Market Baby. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, going through all of Paul's outtakes, these paper bags of Super 8 footage. Uh, I was like, who's that band? Like, on this little rewind machine, who's that band? And I was like, yes, we got, we got some missing pieces. So... And But how came yeah. these missing pieces and not so missing pieces to you? Mm. Actively looking for it, or yeah, yeah. I mean, you dig around and you get, uh, you know, it's not. Um, you know, the archival thing is really interesting because once you start putting out feelers and you just dig around, uh, things write themselves too. Uh, I, I firmly believe that, and this film sort of wrote itself. There's bands like the Enzymes, for example, that I came across also in Paul's footage. That uh, this socialist Afropunk band from 1979—it's um, oh. just an incredible uh, discovery for me. Socialist Afropunk. Yeah, yeah. Who never put anything out. Great. But What were they called? Enzymes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and uh, hopefully something will come out by then. 
uh, I can't uh, talk any more about that for now, but uh, mm. hopefully they'll be a release <laughs> by the, with their stuff before too long. Um, so that was a discovery completely out of the blue for me through the, through the footage. So actually the longest piece in the whole film, uh, that longest concert chunk in the film is with them because I felt like, you know, people don't know this group. Mm. Like they should get, mm. you know, pretty much a whole song or mm. close to it. So mm -hmm. um, Chris Haskett, who went on to be in Ron's band, was part of that band. Oh, wow. uh, Dave Byers, who was a really uh, incredible guy and musician who I never got to meet, but um, he unfortunately passed away. But he was also uh, played with HR in a number of projects mm. uh, after the Bad Brains mm -hmm. and stuff. So it, it was really an interesting project. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Chris. Chris was the, the the only white guy in the band, but um, but yeah, that that was a great discovery. Um, yeah, so archive stuff. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I have worked on a, several archival projects now, and I just keep hammering away until, you know, I feel like I've overturned every stone. Um, right. And then, and, and then, then move to another city. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I can't do another one of these. No, no way. But. Um, you know, some people ask, they're like, oh, you should do another one and, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, about the later times. But um, it it's it's a it's a big chunk. So I don't know. Out in uh, out on the West Coast, have you had uh, what kind of films have been made about the scene out there? Mm. I was funny you asked because um, somebody from the Bay Area who uh, um, my buddy Sam McGuire, mm -hmm. who has been active in the scene since I guess the early 90s maybe late 80s but mm -hmm. I think I'm pretty sure early 90s mm -hmm. um, for some reason we were talking about the new BYO it's not even new it's from 2009 um, the BYO documentary uh -huh. uh, and where some of that footage all came from yeah. and I wasn't even really aware at all um, that some of that stuff that some of that footage had ever been shot or documented um, they get into a number of different things. That might have been my phone. Um, <laughs> they get into a number of different things uh, um, in the documentary, um, the history of this, the history of that. Um, but I was just what really made an impression on me was what they actually shot. I, there was so much footage of so many bands that I genuinely love that I'd never, ever, ever seen before. Mm. Um, as far as something on the Bay Area, I do know that there was something that came out um, maybe eight or nine years ago, the name of which completely escapes me right now. Um, but lots of people were barking and arfing uh, because it kind of focused primarily on Gilman Street. Mm. And Gilman Street, I mean, relatively speaking, uh, came around a little bit later. Mm. Um, though bands from the earlier days were mentioned, but, you know, Berkeley Square and Barrington Hall and other mm -hmm. places in the East Bay as well as in San Francisco were bands. That stuff was touched upon, but not really delved into and personally that's kind of the stuff that I find way more interesting mm. um, I mean this is something you, Adrian you and I have, or we've all talked about many times before that when stuff mm. is forming mm. uh, you mentioned this too when stuff is yeah. forming when no one really knows which way it's going mm. um, no, there are no rules so to speak there are no guidelines or buoys so to speak that's when it's really the most interesting Yeah. and yeah. by the time Gilman was happening I mean if you ask me everything was pretty much codified yeah mm. musically things were changing in certain ways but um it already had set its course and was moving. Um, Can we make a little leap, sorry, to Berlin? Because you move around a little bit and uh, maybe visit some concerts. Is there something forming? Was there something forming? Or don't you have access anymore to th things forming? 
Um, in Berlin nowadays. Sure, but not really anything that has to do with the 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 field of music or the that area of music that we're talking about right now. Mm. Stuff that I did with you know at NCA or Shitty Listener and stuff like that. But that's totally completely different, and that's more rooted in stuff that I was doing in San Francisco right before I left, which had nothing to do with this field of music whatsoever. Mm. Um, but just real quick, um, I'm a I'm a the Germs are one of my yeah. hobbies. Yeah. Uh. And um, I've always tried to sort of keep my finger on that pulse. And I was talking to, well, chat, both talking and chatting with Bowles, who mentioned that he and Paul Rossler from the Screamers and some people who he wasn't prepared to mention were working on a germs documentary. Ooh. Yeah, because there apparently is all kinds of footage that was shot target video when the germs played in San Francisco I think the night after the Sex Pistols show um, j just tons of stuff that ended up on the on the cutting room floor mm -hmm. stuff from the decline as well as other stuff mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it completely changed and they were working on a documentary about LA Punk which was going to include the Screamers because I guess they came across a bunch of footage of the Screamers as well as I guess maybe the Plugs and some other bands and they'd actually gotten some financing for it mm. and then all of a sudden nothing and I wrote him a couple of times since then, nothing, no response, no nothing. Um, and for a second there, on the early YouTube days, there was even kind of a teaser trailer for it. Hmm. And then they just pulled it. So <clears throat> I, I, who knows, maybe like you, they're just taking their time <laughs> and letting it so. gestate and mature, you know, waiting for that bread to rise, so to speak. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Um, but other stuff, I mean, um, I was thinking about this on the way over. I think a, a, a good comprehensive Bay Area documentary is uh, well overdue. There's so many things you could touch on, um, especially starting in the late 70s with the whole art rock scene, um, you know, the Art Institute, mm -hmm. CCAC. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have the Deaf Club, yeah, okay. a social club for the deaf that was hosting punk rock shows on mm. Mission Street. <laughs> and that was pretty much just, you know, that was just, I mean, that's a veritable Mount Rushmore if you look at those flyers, if you look mm. at those bills, the names listed from Tuxedo Moon to the Germs to everything. Yeah, um, that's something you can include. Then with the dawn of hardcore, I can think of a number of big bands. Then you have the whole East Bay scene. And then you got to lob in with that as well too, the whole uh, skate rock scene in the South Bay, mm. as well as in the North Bay and all over the place. Um, I'm really surprised that nobody has actually focused on a San Francisco Bay Area punk scene. There's plenty of LA ones. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Um, you know, you get into these scenes and there's always a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of history there that you have to parse out in terms of people's territory and mm -hmm. stuff like that. People get territorial. Yeah. I mean, I guess one thing oh, yeah. in DC was that it's very, uh, you know, it's really like a, a, you know, it's a community. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think everyone knows that, um, you know, by lifting it up, we all lift each other up kind of thing. You know, sure. not to sound too hokey about mm. it. No, that's not hokey at all. But um, it's it definitely there's something like that. And I think it's proved itself to be the case with these different films that have been done. You know, there hasn't, you know, people tend to just uh, be generous <laughs> with their archival material uh, and share it. They know there's not a lot of money in this stuff, mm -hmm. if any. Um, so if it's not about the money, you know, better to see that stuff get seen than not seen so become you know, a piece of history rather than just uh, shadows and dust sure sure and um, 
you know, also, I, you know, in New York, I don't know, I, I guess they did pull some out of the woodwork. I think there was a New York hardcore, which I, I have not, I've seen some of these pieces. Um, there's the Godfather's a hardcore and stuff that was done. Was it like an agnostic front documentary or something? Yeah, mostly. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And um, Boston scene, there was one Yeah, that came out. Uh, I would like to see that. All I just show, I believe, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so there's been a few. But uh, backing up to what you're talking about, um, I talked with uh, Jackie Sharp from uh, Target uh, oh, wow. a few months ago uh -huh. about what was going on with uh, with their archives and really what would be great. And there was, there's been talk about this is doing a film with all that footage, mm -hmm. you know, like somebody doing a documentary about Target, mm -hmm. but like weaving in like as many of these little side stories as possible. Sure. Oh, that'd just be amazing. That'd be amazing. Uh, I mean, we have some Target stuff we, we worked out with them that's in our uh, film. I'm in that Black Flag Rise Above Target video. Oh, yeah? I mean, I'm, I mean, you don't, I was at that show. Uh, I'm Theoretically, I'm in that crowd. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not like spinning around in front of the stage and stuff, but I was at that. Yeah. That was nuts. And the flip side, uh, flip, flip side videos too. Yeah. Um, I think the masters are AWOL, but the flip side folks... Oh shot a lot of concerts you know for their video fanzine and stuff mm -hmm. um, mm. some of which they would trade with uh, thrasher for their little, little video fanzine things too i remember having those tapes that i would watch to the bone with like babes and, <laughs> and stuff yeah uh, uh so those were the really thrasher vids cool. tons yeah, yeah um, i'm sure that stuff's in good hands yeah yeah mm -hmm. those are great mm -hmm. and um so this 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 material there man i don't know someone's got to step up yeah. Rudy from the Fuzz Tones lived in Berlin for a while. Oh, no shit. And there used to be these punk rock... Um, Rudy Petrudy? This used to... Well, it's it about 10 years ago now, I guess. Mm. Um, there used to be a bar here in town where they on weekends they'd have these punk rock flea markets, and he would sell clothes and T-shirts and memorabilia there. Mm. But he told me that one of the ways he was staying alive in the 80s and shit was um, at the Pasadena flea market, just selling VHS tapes of stuff <laughs> that he had dubbed off and dubbed off and dubbed off <laughs> of people who had shot footage of bands at shows, stuff that probably had nothing to do with Flipside or just stuff he'd get his hands on. Yeah. I mean, he said the quality was just crap. <laughs> yeah, but if you were a fan and you were a geek, um, there was a ton to look at. Really but cool. um, can I ask you a couple questions real quick? Sure. Number two, uh, number one, you mentioned Positive Force. That's smacks of seven seconds. Because you mentioned Utah. Did you mean Nevada? Yeah, no, I meant Nevada. I meant Nevada. And it's a it was a collective? I thought it was a... That's right. Yeah, it, it started out there. And then DC, the DC branch started um, spearheaded mostly by Mark Anderson, who uh, also wrote uh, Dance of Days, the book okay. about DC punk. Um, right. And he's... Uh, a really big figure in the DC scene in terms of his impact um, and kind of was a big part of the politici politization politization mm -hmm. politi politi <laughs> anyway we can dump it in later okay thank you thank you mm -hmm. uh, of the DC scene mm -hmm. and um, yeah so that was around 85 ish when he when he moved into town and um, and positive force started up pretty much right away um, and also the folks from uh, the Riot Girl, yeah, movement kind of started in parallel with that in mm -hmm. DC as well. Um, so there, there was a lot that came out of that scene. Um, so benefit concerts were kind of the yeah. the usual thing. I grew up, and I mentioned this last night at the the screening. Um, that I grew up going to concerts. I didn't know that in other cities you didn't have like someone talking about you know el salvador or whatever before mm. a punk oh, rock yeah. show oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that 
that like shows didn't San have, Francisco, like man, in other towns, mm-hmm. but they were okay. Yeah. okay. They did. yeah, but you know, I know a lot of towns they were not. You know, but in in DC and I guess San Francisco, but maybe that's it in the states. So I, yeah, I was talking to Brian Ray Tracota, the guy from uh, Kill Your Idols, the guy who did Fucked Up and Photocopied. He's actually a buddy of mine. We grew up in San Jose together, mm-hmm. and I interviewed him one time for a mag, and um, somebody told me to ask him what he thought the difference was between LA and San Francisco. And he said, maybe it's bullshit, but San Francisco uh, was certainly way more political than L.A. was. That's not to say that L.A. was not. Mm. But I can certainly remember, especially around 83 and 84, uh, crucifixes, heyday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, food Not Bombs would be there or whoever their predecessor was. Mm-hmm. There was always information being disseminated. There was always somebody at the mic before they would go on. Mm. And Crucifix was by no means the only band. There was Trial. There was Treason. There was Atrocity. There were a bunch of bands mm-hmm. uh, of the same schlag, so to speak. Yeah. So those shows were politicized, that's for sure. Yeah. And in, in DC, I mean, there's bands like uh, Fugazi never played, uh, you know, they only played benefits in DC. They didn't play mm-hmm. like the clubs and huh. stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of bands that just didn't play the clubs. Uh, they predominantly play. But they were selling tons of records. Benefit shows. But they weren't selling yeah. them at the shows. Okay. You know, it was yeah. really all about the, that's cool. the benefit and stuff. So it was definitely a, a unique. A unique time in D.C. when uh-huh. I started going to shows. Um, uh, yeah, so, yeah, no, I, I don't think uh, these scenes, you know, they, they are somewhat um, comparable, you yeah. know, but the D.C. scene, how it came from sort of the pub rock scene to playing originals and stuff, it was it was sort of what happened in a lot of towns simultaneously. It's mm-hmm. one of those magic, magic universal moments, you yeah. know, all over the place in the States. It's just it's just in, incredible how that all kind of propped up at the same time, you know. Sure. Now everything blends together, but back then, you know, it really was a magic moment. Uh, yeah. Late seventies, you know. So, and I wasn't there, but I was able to discover it. Yeah, sure. But it, but sorry, Jason. Uh, the uh, the thing about the movie, the unique thing is also that it 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 was in DC, wasn't it? So what what kind of uh, I mean, there must have been uh, pressure against these groups forming in the first place that would and what kind of pressure was there um government pressure for sure forming local or pressure. performing 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 pressure yeah, yeah, yeah. performance rights no pressure. no no actually <laughs> dc didn't have problems like la would have where the oh. cops would just come in and just okay. kick the shit out of everybody oh, oh yeah but but you did have marines that would kind oh. of come in and be like oh a punk rock show this is my chance to like san francisco pra- had that practice oh, really? my fighting skills yeah. yeah and they would come into these shows and like sometimes just wearing their fatigues like they weren't even hiding it <laughs> oh, and they just like kick the shit out of uh, some punk people oh, so God. that's when it got pretty ugly around 83 ish mm. mm-hmm. something like that really? 82 83 yeah. yeah and uh there was an oozy moment as well during the documentary Documentary, apparently a, a newsy an oozy moment where Uzi. someone brought in a gun into oh right yeah that, that was that was, that was mentioned but that was a different thing <laughs> different thing yeah DC had a bunch of gangs at the time oh. um, but one some some gang came in mm. Madam's that's back at Madam's organ which was really uh. sort of this uh, you know free for all zone mm. uh, and anything went in there and mm. apparently somebody came in with an Uzi mm. one night and uh, they weren't shooting it but they were like carrying mm. it around. Uh, but that was that was not that was not the government. That was not military. It was a gang. Uh-huh. Uh, nothing to worry about. So, um, but DC, you know, there is people think, oh, DC, you know, it must have been, you know, crazy intense to be under the shadow of that. 
I do know of one musician that had the Secret Service call him and like meet him in a park because he like <laughs> he said something during his concert like you know we're gonna tear down you know the White House and look out Mr. Way ahead of his time. So I better watch out what I say right now. <laughs> yeah, sure. Anyway, uh, the conversation. So, yeah, so there's things like that that would happen in mm. DC, mm. but um, otherwise not really. There's some there's some funny tie-ins. Um, recently i saw footage of like some punk band playing in a senator's backyard i guess they were friends with like the <laughs> there's like seven people there you know mm. ten, ten, the friends whatever were mm. there and stuff mm. um which is what punk rock's about and then um where else uh soa practiced in like the vice president's compound uh, <laughs> at one point so there's like so it could be a positive thing as vice well, president's like, compound yeah because the vice president in D.C. actually, the house is on the grounds of the Naval Observatory in D.C. So okay. it's like this kind of weird uh, location, very secure. Rollins' dad was a military guy, right? Yeah, I don't know a lot about about that, but uh, I believe so. I think he, he alludes to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I know, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, SOA. I mean, there's there's a lot of little side stories like that that mm. just give DC an interesting. It's an interesting background to be working in. <laughs> but strangely enough, DC bands did not sing a, a terrible lot about um, politics. Really, directly, ah, interesting. it was interesting. much more ah. personal politics and stuff. Um, you did get some bands, and it, it, I think it holds up pretty well. But uh, like uh, Beefeater, who would sing, you know, about Reaganomics, and, mm -hmm. you know, they were. Super was political. John, uh, uh, well, Fred Fred Smith was a guitarist, and um, and uh, Tomas Squip was the Tomas Squip, yeah. right? Tomas Squip, um, right? Uh, who passed uh, away, right? No, no, no. Uh, who? But he's he's different now. He's he's changed. He's Onam now. He's a Sikh. But uh, Fred Smith passed away. He was he was killed in a. In a was park. knifed. He was knifed. Yeah, I heard about oh, that. Yeah, yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. Um, but he's a great guitarist and great guy. Um, so yeah, some some bands were were polit overtly political, mm. but almost all of it was was really personal politics stuff, government issue, mm. definitely in that category mm. of just you know mm. singing about what's going on in mm. life and stuff. And that's why a lot of that stuff I feel like ages mm. pretty well, you mm. know. Whereas you know some bands back in the day were like you know Reagan this, Reagan that, and then you know. Mm. You know, now, dime a dozen those bands. <laughs> well, now, now people don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't mm. know that stuff. It ages so, mm -hmm. but it's interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but DC, as a background, the cops were really off, hands off. You know, they would they came into Madame's organ sometimes. Apparent according to the stories, they would walk in, and kind of just like be like, oh my god, you know, like too much pot smoke or whatever it was. It wasn't the funk smoking it, but anyway, the yippies. But they'd be like, oh okay. <laughs> you know, and they just like walk back out. You so know? they didn't really care about it. No. What, what difference would it have been on the on the West Coast then, Jace? Mm, well, I can't really speak for LA. I mean, I'd gone to shows in LA where the police response was absolutely intense and completely over the top. I told you, mm. I told you that um, um, Olympic Auditorium Arena story. I think several times. Mm. Um, I was not at that 1983 Palladium. I was at the Palladium one. I was not at that. Um, that was probably the most extreme, severe um, police reaction um, on record to that, up until that point in time. But I can't really talk about that because it wasn't there, and mm. there's enough information about it about there. Um, San Jose got pretty crazy. I think San Jose was basically being advised by the LAPD 
about how to deal with punk. Um, uh, if you didn't encounter them outside, they were certainly going to come up the steps two by two with their batons. Don't ask any questions. Just start swinging. Mm. Um, I watched my buddy get uh, uh, forced into a phone booth and then batoned Ugh. almost to death by a cop so he couldn't get away. Literally hammering him into the ground, stuff like that. I think it's been speculated that the cops probably were trying to avoid a situation like in the 60s where they were terrified that some new counterculture was going to come along and basically turn California into a one big huge riot. Right. Like the 60s. Mm. Like Watts. Like stuff like that. Mm. And that's why they were coming down so heavy and so hard. Mm. Um, San Francisco, the places that I used to go to, the primary concern was the fire marshal. The fire marshal would come in. How many people are in here? Um, did you t did you count? If you didn't count, then the show's got to stop. Right. So someone would count, or at least have a fictional number that they would, you know, whatever. Um, why are we talking about this? I forgot. Um, cops, yeah. Cops. But um, I had a second question. Um, you mentioned the Cramp Show at Georgetown. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I think Ian Mackay in the Stephen Blush book um, mentions this. Mm -hmm. um, the Sham 69 tour of the United States in 1978 or 1979. I know when Sham played at the Whiskey mm. in L.A., that was a big deal. And some people have even speculated that that was kind of the, the flag that got raised. Um, let's trim this down. No more pointy shoes, no more skinny ties, no more angular haircuts. It's just boots, jeans, cut-off sleeves. Mm. Yeah. And I was wondering, did Sham 69 play in D.C.? Did they come through D.C. at that point in time? And if they did have an influence. Because... Um, just going to Google that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, just curious. Because I know that Ian McKay did mention in the Stephen Blush book that he seemed to think that for two minutes there, they were sort of the populist... Um, well, I, it was a song that those, the charge that the the bands early on were covering, you know, like uh, there's, there's some uh, well, the kids are united. Oh yeah, and um, like that's uh, there's some great footage uh, of that from December 1980 okay. of uh, the Untouchables playing that, uh, and so yeah. I wanted to ask you about the Untouchables because um, for me on on Flex Your Head, that is the band. Mm. Nick Fit and Rap Patrol, those two songs. And I'm dying to find the lyrics. <laughs> Do you know where I could find it's, those lyrics? It's funny. We'll Google it up. Yeah. I don't, you can't Google it. They're not to be found. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying to have them. I think that's just one of the mysteries of okay. DC Punk. Uh, it's funny. I had, so when we did the subtitles for the film, mm -hmm. uh, I had to work really hard to get the lyrics for Nick Fit. Oh. But they are on the DVD every song has the lyrics on it and actually funny enough i i didn't know what people were saying in some of the songs i didn't know i didn't know until i actually tried to uh -huh. you know for some of these songs uh some of them are are, are really inaudible like uh, the enzyme stuff was recorded with a you know tape recorder or whatever mm -hmm. uh, live so i had to ask but uh other bands like like uh the untouchables yeah that was the last one i was able to like I had to work on to get. Uh, Did you get to talk to Alec for the for oh, the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So Alec, uh, Alex got a pretty um, sizable role in the film, and um, you know he's a great guy. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So so we do have lyrics for Nick Fit. Okay. It'll probably take <laughs> not me another. Ten, it'll take me another ten years to get that the rest. That guitar tone yeah. on those songs yeah. too is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I'll work on it for you. All right. Okay. 
<laughs> so James, James, um, can you introduce the next uh, track? Uh, yeah, this is uh, How Low Can a Punk Get oh, yeah. by The Bad Brains. Uh, yeah. And they feature quite heavily on your documentary, Punk the Capital. That's they? right, they are essential. Here they go. There you go. You're listening to Radio One. Here we are. Uh, Punk the Capital, a uh, documentary by James June Schneider. And Paul Bichel. Uh, yes, of course, we must mention the other people involved as yeah. well. And uh, my friend Sam as well, Sam Sam Levine, who uh, mm. who joined the team partway through too. So we were the three, mm. three makers. Mm. Yes. Uh, yeah, so that was the Bad Brains. Uh, can't go through this without listening to some bad brains. Uh, I think that song, you really feel like how it's so hard, but it grooves. I mean, that's just, you know, it is not rigid, you know, mm. it's just, it's, it's, it's got uh, a deep rhythm, you know, but mm. the guitar is a million miles an hour. It's mm. just, it's just insane, you know, it's un, 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 uh, unchained completely. Mm. Uh, I came out of nowhere. In the documentary, they said they wanted to be faster than the Ramones and faster than the Damned. You can hear that. (laughs) You can, can't you? And they were. Yeah. (laughs) There was nothing else like it when they started, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't know on the West Coast how it was received, but uh, in D.C. it certainly uh, 
shook the whole town to its core. I so. think the Bad Rains were pretty universal I mean, wherever they went. I mean, they just yeah. blew minds completely. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I always, um, speaking about this generation of bands, or this whole ilk of bands, um, one of the things maybe people kind of sometimes forget is that a lot of the stuff that we really, really dig, or a lot of the stuff that actually laid the foundations, um, was music, was punk music was that was not made by punks. Um, the Bad Brains were not punk rockers. Mm. The Dead Kennedys were not punk rockers. Black Flag was not punk rockers. The Germs were not punk rockers. The mm. Screamers were not punk rockers. Mm -hmm. yeah? Um, yeah, yeah, These are people who grew up going to concerts in the 70s, and some of these people even saw Sid Barrett, you know? Mm -hmm. Like um, um, uh, East Bay Ray from the Dead Kennedys. I think he saw that Pink Floyd show oh. uh, where they performed in the dark at the Fillmore West. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Uh, where nobody actually saw Pink Floyd, you just heard them <laughs> playing. <laughs> yeah, but that's you know, and I think it, I think it shows mm. in the in the musicianship, mm. uh, in the songwriting, in the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, that's that early. We were talking about this before, but uh, that early time in these scenes where things are not defined. Mm -hmm. You know, there isn't there. It's not codified. It's not. It's not blocked into any. It's not Legos form. yet. Yeah, and uh, you know that's the the band. If you see the movie, uh, the enzymes I think is emblematic of that. It's got like uh, weird electronica piping in, but it's yeah. a million miles an hour sometimes. Uh, it's um, sings about uh, late capitalism. Uh, I mean, it's just like this incredible blend of of political consciousness and experimentation but w with a punk rock uh, attitude mm -hmm. I mean, yeah that that gets a little sidetracked um in a lot of scenes i think dc being one of them but uh for a little while at least um but you know dc i think before things got really really codified it changed and that's really interesting to me it's like how a scene actually some people got together and talked about it you know, there was this discussion in mm. the scene and uh, the self, that sort of self-reflexive, you know, reflectiveness, uh, I think, was really unique in mm -hmm. D.C. Um, to say, oh, where, where are we heading as a community? Mm. You know, where do we want to go? Um, and so it, it changed. It changed in part because of this. I mean, it was when the burbs started to come into D.C. and we talked about the G.I.s coming in, mm. and kicking the shit out of people mm. and... Um, you know, there was just, uh, it just wasn't, it wasn't what people had projected the scene to be. Right. So, uh, but that's be beyond the actual sound experimentation, you know, there was the, the two went hand in hand. It, I, San so. Francisco was similar. Um, I think around 83, 84 is when, um, as things started to fade mm -hmm. and crossover metal started to come in, uh, punk sort of got confused mm -hmm. and, um, Lots of the, I'm going to say the smarter people got smarter and turned into peace punks, kind of like hippie punks, got politicized. And then all the Sid Vicious punks turned into skinheads and then interestingly turned into swing dancer types, <laughs> which I thought was a really interesting <laughs> progression. Wasn't expecting yeah. that. But, but this is when it completely starts to splinter. And I remember yeah. at that point in time having friends that were no longer interested in going to punk, going to hardcore shows anymore. And there were a bunch of people who sort of like also left and then started forming bands like Grey Matter and Short Dogs Grow, uh, um, 
came from the punk, came from the hardcore scene, but this music was drastically different. Kind of like what was happening with Rights and Spring. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't say that it sounded like Rights and Spring. I'm not trying to equate them in that way in mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form. But um, this whole thing was sort of happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Gilman happened, and then a whole new generation of young people just completely transformed it from there. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of what happened in in D.C. with the Revolution Summer. There was this whole new generation coming up. Um, And by the late 80s, you had a whole new wave of bands. You had this new energy. And it kind of stayed like that. Um, That transformation, I think, continues to this day, the sort of much more sort of... uh, intimate you know i don't know if wholesome is quite the word for it but this this sort of i know what you mean it's it's it brought it back to something that was essential um around that time that actually continues to now mm-hmm. i mean we have like live we have shows in the library now mm-hmm. uh, the library basement we have there's a lot of house shows yeah. now uh, yeah, right. Right. yeah and, live in the living room yeah, yeah. And people are playing people are playing clubs too i mean it's just kind of all over the place but dc has changed as a the population's changed quite a bit it was majority afro-american when i grew up there mm-hmm. and now it's about half and half um i mean they used to call it chocolate city now people some call it vanilla latte city or something but <laughs> but anyway it's changed quite a bit um, uh-huh. and there's a lot of like a uh, lot more sort of youngerish people like a uh, startup right. startup companies and <laughs> people in their 20s Sounds like 30s around here. and you know, they're going to shows and stuff, so there's an audience a little more than there used to be, you know. But um, there's uh, it's just kind of all over the place now. But the actual punk scene itself has kind of maintained its its intimate nature, you know, in D.C. And, you know, stayed true. And people aren't looking to sign with major labels and stuff, uh, you know, people who are central to the scene, you know. It's yeah. just never been the ticket. Um I got another question for you. Speaking of a mover and a shaker, sort of along these lines, mm-hmm. I was listening to a podcast recently. Um, Stephen Blush was interviewing Vic Bondi from Articles of Faith. And he mentioned that he, as a kid, because his dad was a U.S. Navy captain, grew up in D.C. Yeah. And I was wondering, was Vic Bondi, before moving to Chicago, I, or I think he's from Articles of Faith or from Chicago? Yeah, I'm not sure. And then he was in Boston, Jones, Vary, and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, I was curious if he was involved in the early DC. He's a neat guy. You should check him out. Yeah, I will. I mean, there are some interesting people that came through early on. Uh, Dave Grubbs was in a band. Dave Grubbs uh, was in a band called Squirrel Bait, if I'm not mistaken. Remember Squirrel Bait. Yeah, early on in DC, <laughs> he was there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Calvin Johnson was hanging out yeah, in DC. Yeah, some people you wouldn't uh, think of. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, there was, you know, but, uh, you know, and people moved to D.C. deliberately, you know, to be part of this community. A lot of, there was a lot of transplants in the late 80s, early 90s. Why did the Bad Brains leave D.C.? I forget that. Um, you know what, I don't, I, I have some notions, but, um, you know, I, I think they figured New York was a bigger town. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really wanted this to be their, their livelihood, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they made connections up there. You know, people kind of brought them up there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of story behind that. Sure. Um, and some of it's linked with the Yippies. You know, the Yippies were organizing stuff for organizing concerts for them and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Rock Against Racism uh, in Central Park. We mm-hmm. have a little bit of footage of that in mm-hmm. the film. Um, that was a, a Yippie thing, I believe. Um, so, yeah, they just started going to New York more and more. 
and you know some people think they're a New York band but yeah a lot of people think they're a New York band ah <laughs> yeah uh huh well the I bad the bad brains from NYC no I know but mm. uh I think uh, I was one of those people for a while yeah I mean well, as a kid well now the problem is with like uh, you know people put it on Spotify and stuff someone the other day was like oh my gosh I didn't know until I saw your film that they were an Afro-American band mm-hmm. and I was like oh man like <laughs> that's the thing is that you don't you don't talk about the, you just have it on a right. you know mm. your your playlist or whatever right. so hopefully this film will set some of those things straight New York yeah. same thing about so, L- same thing regarding LA Latino Latinos uh, and bands Stains mm-hmm. Plugs you know, you know yeah. Uh, yeah so mm-hmm. But no, uh, the the main thing I think uh, I hope people take away from this film is just um, <coughs> this this positive attitude that came from the scene, you know, that is transferable to so many other things. I mm-hmm. think uh, outside of music, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I've I was amazed to find to hear about. You know, things you know, well, Straight Edge was linked initially with it, but of course, it became a, a worldwide movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that you know, I. St- still think uh you know i've seen some straight edge docs and stuff like that but i feel like the straight edge story is really um one of empowerment that's pretty interesting um so straight edge can you define it i mean they were, in the documentary they were saying if you didn't want to drink you'd you'd put a cross on your if you're underage hand yeah. or something, so the or? clubs the clubs would do that i think they brought that back from the west coast is that yeah, right that's yeah that's what they, we used yeah, to get yeah, right. we were under 21 they yeah. put x's on our hands so the bartender right. couldn't drink <laughs> right right yeah <laughs> so that's right that not on your forehead then not on the forehead exactly yeah. and so so that came back from the Man, west coast in dc that's where the x's come from i got a dc ah. hardcore flag right here in front of me right. which transforms the dc flags stars into mm. x's mm. so there's three x's over two Tri- bars triple x Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually transformed some. Uh, you can't see them on the air, but I transformed he's, he's some. He's uh, his feet up. I he's got I, some socks. I wanted his to, socks are coming up. It looks like Amsterdam. It looks like Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm gonna say. I know. I, tr- I tried to black out the round part, and uh-huh. but the pen didn't work. But anyway, right. um, so you're, you're talking about X. your your socks. Yeah, now I'm yeah. talking about my socks. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> anyway. I, so I'm getting a little of, off topic the, here, but um, part of the merchandise is socks. No, those aren't. Those aren't <laughs> those you are. should think about it. No, we no, should have no, radio on socks. Everyone's selling yeah. socks these days, but no, no. I was going to say things like Straight Edge. Uh, also, uh, if you look, companies like Kickstarter were actually mm. inspired by uh, the DC punk scene, ah. Discord Records in mm. particular. Um, even a presidential candidate. Uh, Beto O'Rourke I don't know if you heard about him from Texas uh-uh. but he, he was actually in some punk rock bands um, ah. and uh, he was one of the many Democratic presidential candidates wow. in the last election but he was very vocal about uh, the influence of the DC punk scene mm-hmm. on him uh, and mentioned Fugazi and stuff um, and we actually when we went on tour with the film we invited him to our screening in uh, El Paso and <laughs> I didn't think the press agent would actually get back to us but okay. uh, but they did and they're like he's gonna try to make it <laughs> so I was waiting all night for Beto Roof to show up because because frankly his platform didn't reflect DC Punk at all to me but, uh, so we wanted to set that a little straight but um, but yeah so there's, there's this influence beyond the music I think mm. that's really interesting to me and well there was the fanzines as well there. Just, yeah there were a lot there. of fanzines but everywhere you know mm. um mm. DC had some that were pretty consequential. Mm. Um, yeah, Truly Needy and stuff like that. Mm. When I think of DC, the, 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 the reverberations of DC hardcore, I, I, 
based on my own experiences back then, I've got to think about all those Connecticut kids, man. Mm. Um, you know, at the Anthrax, mm. uh, crippled youth, youth of today, youth all of, of the, today, all of those, yeah. yeah, all those kids showing up in the collegiate sportwear, um, shaved heads, um, gold chains, <laughs> uh, <laughs> tennis socks. You know, it was just, yeah. It transformed for sure. Yeah, with the big X's, big black X's on their hands. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, in New York, you know, you had SSD, um, which, you know. Boston. Were, the, yeah, in Boston. I'm, yeah. Sorry. I'm, of course, I know that. We were talking yeah, about. And, and some of them came to our, <laughs> some of them came to the screening when, when we showed it up there. Um, good guys. I know they were close with the DC scene as well. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, people are copying our stuff. It's mm. that we're doing, you know, we're doing mm -hmm. things together. So mm. it some of some of the straight edge stuff went uh, went a little haywire, but in general, you know, these were people who just shared the same, you know, clean, clean living uh, ethic. So you asked what it was, you know, it's basically no. For those of those listeners who might not know, it's uh, you know, basically no drugs, no alcohol, mm. no gratuitous sex. Mm. Um, but more than that, it was really just saying, you know, be in control of what you do. You know, mm. don't give in to what everyone else is doing. You right. Know? Um, right. And you know, I I actually think it probably saved tens of me. yeah tens of thousands of, of could have lives. You know, mm -hmm. if you really look at it, um, people on the road when we took the film out on the road, they came up to us. You know, they show us our straight of the straight tattoos and stuff. But also, a lot of people talked about how it saved them. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that's a very positive. If you're going to accidentally yeah. start a movement, that's a pretty good one to start. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, so yeah, this. There's a lot of things I think that are particular about the DC scene, and mm -hmm. you know all the scenes have their have their stories, but uh, I know this one a little better. And I think mm -hmm. Ian Mackay too was probably, um, as an example, I don't want to say he was the least militant about it, but he certainly had a had a, a, a kind of liberal attitude about it. Mm -hmm. He said it was just his own personal decision. Um, he wasn't about to tell you what to do. Yeah. Um, and with all due respect, and I might be mistaken here, I don't think Brian Baker was ever straight edge, was he? Mm. Well, I, I don't know. I think know he later went on to have some MTV bands. He, I don't know all of Brian's stories. I know he's a great guitarist. He played on stage with uh, Santana at like 12 years old. And uh, wow. he's he's a brilliant guitarist and, and, a, and a really sharp dude. So Whatever happened um, to Lyle Presslar? Yeah, Lyle... Um, also a great guitarist. Um, he he went on. He was in Samhain for a little while. I don't know if you knew that. I think I did know that. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> and there's some crazy stories about working with Danzig um, that uh, I the hope someone will relay to the general public. Uh, and uh, yeah, and he went on to work, you know, in with music, in with different companies and stuff. Isn't he a music lawyer or something? Or um, yeah, he 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 is a lawyer. I mean, he has his law, mm. he has his bar. Um, mm -hmm. but um, yeah I'm not exactly sure what his current uh, job is so mm -hmm. but um, but yeah he did continue you know to work in the music world yeah. if you will so um, yeah no it's great you know it's interesting because almost most people in the DC scene though went on to do well most people in the DC I'm generalizing terribly a lot of people went on to work in socially active spheres you know they're mm -hmm. working with the elderly or they're working you know in various community things mm -hmm. or they're i don't know this it's it's not a lot of people went on to like you know professions if you will mm -hmm. in you know 
in politics or anything like that. Uh, yeah. People people really uh, stuck with kind of the the ethics that came out of that. Uh, it's really interesting to see. Mm. If you, you know, sometimes we would ask as well what people's parents did and stuff, and it's interesting. A lot of kids did come from government parents, mm. but when you talk to them about what they're doing now, you know, people really stayed true. Mm. It's really interesting. So can you give us one last track? What would you uh, recommend? One last track. Um, Something from the documentary. Okay. What would it be? Let's see. Um, well, let's skip to running through the playlist in my head here. <laughs> uh, lots of lots of music in there. It's jam packed with it music. Is. Yeah. Um, let's do Punk the Capital. Let's skip right to towards the end with um, "Nudes" by Rites of Spring. Oh wow! That's in the in the film. So that's a good one. Yeah. Rites of Spring. Yeah. Nudes. And how, how uh, just quickly, how, how well did the uh, documentary go down? What kind of feedback did you get from last night in Berlin? Oh, great. It was, um, you know, I think it's interesting in every town how it's affected people. It's, it's different in every town. Um, now a lot of people come out and they're like, my dad would always talk about this music. So it's like the kids of people that were fans. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is... Um, just tells you how long it's been. Um, My son rejects it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> rejects it categorically. Uh-oh. Uh, well, get him to watch this movie. Maybe that'll mm -hmm. maybe that'll work it. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it, it's been fantastic. The one thing that we set out to do with the film um, that I think works here, like elsewhere, mm -hmm. I saw last night, is to tell a story that goes beyond the. The punk rock genre mm. itself this is really about um how a movement takes shape in a town and how people kind of do what isn't there and make it happen as a community so uh so yeah like somebody came up to our screening in new york with his daughter um and he's like my daughter dragged me i didn't really want to come he's like but <laughs> but i gotta tell you I hate punk rock, but I loved your movie. Oh. I was like, all oh, right, yeah, that's <laughs> that's cool. There's one for the one for the count. So yeah. that that's that that kind of thing uh, that warms my heart. So is Berlin the only place in Europe where you're presenting the film, or will you be in Amsterdam? Will you be in Hamburg? We've going... shown it in Amsterdam. Oh, I'm glad you asked. Oh, I would kick myself. Um, so n we had a tour planned. Uh, Jeff Nelson, um, co-founder of Minor Threat, and uh, drummer of uh, co-founder of Discord Records mm -hmm. and drummer of Minor Threat was going to join me for a tour uh, in April of 2019. Of course, that was stymied mm -hmm. by COVID. But we rebooked and we're supposed to hit the road next uh, next uh, spring. Oh, great. So with mm -hmm. Jeff, uh, and we'll be showing an extended cut of the film mm -hmm. with some rarities and some censured bits that we're not allowed to release uh, publicly, but we'll be bringing those on the road. Um, we so, to Berlin? And so we'll be back in Berlin. We'll, we'll be in Hamburg and a bunch of other cities cool. in Germany. Um, I did show already in Amsterdam mm -hmm. um, and in France. Um, so shown around Europe a little bit mm -hmm. elsewhere. But uh, that'll be a good tour of, of Germany mm -hmm. next April. So stay tuned. And if you want to watch it now, you can... Uh that's right. Subscribe to? Yeah, I think um, so. Sooner, which is this cool newish um, platform, sooner.de, uh, that just started. Mm -hmm. But also, uh, the DVD has some bonus stuff on it if people are interested in, if people still play DVDs, please. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of bonus stuff Any on it. Any Super 8? There's, a, there's, there's 
four short films on there as well. Mm. Um, there's one about Void. Mm. Oh. Uh, one about Scream, who, um, who we were able to dive deeper into their story mm. in the in the film in mm. the cool. short, which is which is great because they're one of my favorites um, bands from DC. And one about uh, let's see, WGTB, the one about that mm. that mm. concert that we were talking about before. Yeah. So. And the Slicky Boys. Oh wow! Is the last short and last but not least at all because mm. they were, they really kicked it off in DC. Mm. Uh huh. Great. So, yeah. So thank you very much for coming into Radio on Berlin. Hey, it's been my pleasure. Uh, James June Schneider, filmmaker and uh, documentary maker of Punk the Capital. We shall find out soon. And and that DVD, by the way, is available uh, via Wiener World, which I know is a, a curious name. Um, and I don't know the story. I wish I could tell you. In the UK, they can ship it on over uh, for Europe. They're the ones handling it for now. Or the Blu-ray via Cargo ah, yes. Records, mm. which is so it's kind of split between the two. Okay, so thank you very much, James, and thank, thank you. you very much, Jason Oni, for coming in today. Thank you. Uh, so from myself and Renus van Alabic on yep. uh, Radio On, www.radioonberlin.com. Yeah, and here we have Rights of Spring Rebecca. to uh, ring us out. Keep listening.
You have been listening to Radio on Berlin. Yeah! yeah.